2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2 Youth are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. Hey, you're listening to the 6D Helmets Kickstart Podcast. It is the Monday after the Monster Energy Cup, and Michael Antonovich and I are joined by Geico Honda's Jeremy Martin. And J-Mart, it was so good to see you back on the track, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. It's been uh, a long road just to be able to have the opportunity to be back on the start line again. And um, yeah, definitely a blast. So uh, you started riding uh, several weeks ago. You said you've been training for like 15 weeks now? Yep, yep. Um, Definitely had some time to train. Um, I had about two weeks of Supercross under my belt before I raced Monster Cup. So um, not too much time on Supercross. Yeah. How long had you been riding moto, though? Um, I'd say I've been riding. I've been riding since like probably August 18th or August 20th. Mm Mm-hmm right in there so i've definitely had some time when you got back on the bike were you tentative at all or stiff or you know rusty um yeah for sure i mean when i first hopped on the bike like i actually got um i actually got pretty emotional really yeah because just just to get there and like all that a lot of stuff like went through my mind because i I hit i came up on a set of whoops you know at, at at a friend's track and I, I went really slow because I didn't know if I could, you know what I mean? Like everything I'd been through, you almost were like, st- I was still cautious. And then I worked through that. And, and I actually thought about like, just like Jesse Nelson and, you know, like all the people that, you know, have gotten, you know, jacked up. And I, yeah, I just got emotional and I was really, really just happy to be back on the bike. Mm. Was there ever a point in the, uh, in the recovery process when you thought about, maybe hanging it up or trying something different? No, I mean, like, there's definitely times where I'm like, man, am I ever going to see the end, right? Like, am I going to see the end of this thing, you know, and just be 100% so I can bend over and, you know, pick something up off the ground or can I twist again or can I just get back to riding a dirt bike? And, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some moments, but I I never never really questioned it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh. What about like everyday life? Is there any limitations that the back injury has presented you with? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. Like I just don't have the the best range of motion like what I used to have and it's a constant work in progress as far as trying to get it back even still right now. And then making sure that I get my, you know, I get good posture back and I don't look like like hunchback a Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, like Will Hahn? <laughs> I just yeah I just been working hard just to get my shoulders back and and build the body up right so I don't I, you know I don't suffer later on in life. Yeah. Was that something that they advised you about like make sure you hit your rehab really uh really hard so you don't end up with a hunch? Well, I was pretty worried about it just in general because the way we ride dirt bikes like we're constantly in that attack position and our shoulders are really rounded, right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And then our heads are like over the bars, so then our, sh- our we have bad head posture. So 
I was like, man, I, I just don't want to be that guy that's like 30 years old, just like walking into the races like, dude, he looks like he's 45 or 50, yeah. you know? Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, with everything in moto, like all of our training is always in running or cycling or weightlifting or anything. Have you looked at low impact stuff like swimming more um, to kind of help take pressure off your back? And like, do you swim a lot just to let everything decompress? Yeah. So um, initially, like when I first started training, I, I, I would swim in my pool um, a lot. Like the dock was you can swim in the pool because I couldn't do any impact. I couldn't um, I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. So it was a great way to kind of activate my back muscles and like. I swam quite a bit, and I'm a terrible swimmer, guys. Like, I am not meant to be in the water. <laughs> are you Are you doing the uh, the breaststroke or the freestyle? I mean, just whatever I can <laughs> do to paddle? get down to the end of the pool. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I uh, when I first moved to Corona, I was like, man, it's so hot in the Inland Empire. I need a pool, and so we just built this little small pool on the side. And I was like, God, man, I'm gonna use this thing to train. And it's like my pool's so small, I could get from one side to the other in like six strokes. So then I was like, I saw this thing at the store. It was a, uh, it was like a bungee or a surgical tubing that went around your ankles, and you hook it to like the uh, the thermometer little mount uh-huh. on the side, and you just swim in place without without going anywhere, right? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> there you go. talk about a guy who almost drowned in his own backyard. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah, Dude, it was Dude, terrible. Just- swimming's tough like some people are just really good at it but i i, I was just never good and i don't think i ever will be and, I, and i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah yeah and you're a little guy too so it's just like a rock that wants to go down to the bottom <laughs> so you probably uh i'm assuming you cycled quite a bit to gain your fitness back yeah i did a lot of i did a lot of volume like when i got released to start to start training on the bike i i would just ride my mountain bike because i couldn't bend over just being in that hunched over position was really hard. Like I would fatigue out pretty fast. So I started out just cycling, um, with just with taking my brace off and all I could do was 30 minutes, yeah. you know, and then I'd have to put the brace back on and then, um, built, worked my way out of that, that body brace or that. And then just, you know, was able to start mountain biking on the road. And yeah, I did a lot of volume, a lot of three hour rides. Mm. So now that your uh, your training partner is Eli Tomac, is it a lot more time on the bicycle? Uh, I mean, we definitely cycle a lot. We cycle for sure a lot, but um, probably not as much cycling. I mean, I, at the time, like when I was in the rehab, I still couldn't hit the gym yet, and I still couldn't twist. So um, I was just, just cycling, and then that, that was my main priority every day. Hmm. Um. When you're back on the bike, do things like seat bouncing uh, give you any pain? Yeah, um, so that's something that it's funny you bring that up because that like the impact of because I went over a year and a half and like you guys got to think like I never lifted up anything like really heavier than a a gallon milk jug, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Until I got released um, to start doing full activity and be a normal person. So I basically like the impact is a big was a big thing for me even when i first started riding like i could only do like four or five laps and the, the takeoffs and the landings are like if, if you pound it into a jump too hard or something like uh it there was definitely some pain there and the doctor said 
you're fully healed, um, but you're going to be in pain. He goes, start out jumping 30. You can jump 30 feet, you know, and then gradually <laughs> work your way up. And, and that's what I had to do. Yeah. Does your doctor ride? He doesn't. He doesn't ride, but he's just a he's just a massive fan of people that just want just want to be outdoor outdoors people and yeah. just you know just a sports fan. Yeah, I was just wondering about the thirty foot jump uh, <laughs> specification. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty darn small. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jeremy, you, the last back surgery you did, you went to Vail, right? Like through Wasserman, which was the same people that did Ken surgeries, and isn't that because they're all like Olympic grade? surgeons that all specialize in sports medicine yeah so i i ended up going to Vail actually because john tomac oh okay yeah like i i wasn't getting the right uh i I just had a gut feeling that stuff wasn't going right you know um initially when i was in minnesota seeing my doctor and he didn't want to see me until basically the one year anniversary to when i broke my back Mm. and i i was still having pain like i was like walking around in pain um, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be fine. But midday I'd be like, man, why is it, why do I, why am I in pain? You know? So I went to the Stedman clinic to get at six months to get a review and just see if the bone had healed and it had zero healing at all. Mm. And then that's when that guy was like, Hey man, like, you know, I, we just got the MRI results to look at. And he goes, you need another surgery He goes, it was not put together right. And it's not even healed. So then they opened me up come January, and they found an infection in there that the doctor had missed. Oh, no. So that was another massive reason of why the bone never healed, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Was, so it, it, uh, was it like a staph infection that was in there? Cause, I mean, no, it, was, uh, like, uh, it wasn't staph. It, it was like gram-negative, I guess. I don't know what kind of infection it was. Like, but, yeah, it, was, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't good. Hmm. So when you finally got cleared to start riding and being physical again, did it feel like you started at complete ground zero, or was it you being so physically fit your whole life you had a little bit of a benefit to work with? No, absolutely not. Like I mean, I started at rock bottom. I mean, you guys got to think like I lost everything. I lost all my core muscles, my spine muscles. I mean, I was down. You know, I I had no muscle really on me and. Uh, it was like all that atrophy, even inside in my back, just trying to activate the muscles to start moving and get and start firing from sitting for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so those first few days when you finally got to go back, did you have to plan out how long you could ride or how often you would ride? Because, I mean, anybody that rides moto quite a bit knows you do one ride day and then your back is sore because you hit stuff in a different way than you ever did before. So did you have to really schedule out what you were doing so you didn't overwhelm yourself? Yeah, for sure. Like there's times where um, I definitely wanted to ride longer, but I just couldn't, you know, like I had to like really take the time to, I had to basically reduce my ego, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think about what I was doing before being a hammerhead and I was like, man, I can't even do anything remotely close to it, you know? Yeah. Um, so then now, has everything's going on how long did you just stay practicing and just on turn tracks and stuff like that at home in minnesota before you go okay now is the time that we can go to colorado and start a program yeah i probably did turn tracks and and rode locally for about a month before i finally hopped on 
a real track and road and even did like a big jump just because I mean the first day that I rode the next day I was so damn sore I, I couldn't even hardly get out of bed mm-hmm. yeah I remember I had to book a massage and it like I was like got the massage and it didn't even help <laughs> <laughs> that was no good so so we were talking uh at monster cup and you said that uh while you were down bubba jubs was in full effect again huh yeah unfortunately i'm i'm gonna blow up like after i get <laughs> done racing if, if i don't stay on it boys like it's it's rough out there it's 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 rough <laughs> <laughs> you got the genes working against you yeah I, yeah I, I feel you there man <laughs> out here on the edge failure is no option here you don't compromise off-road on-road on the track off the grid Sunstar sprockets and brake discs come installed in more motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles than any other in the world, period. The engineers who design your bike trust and spec Sunstar for the same reason you should. Because here, on the edge, failure is no option. Sunstar, number one in sprockets and brake discs. Hey everyone, it's Marvin Miskin from the Red Bull KTM Racing Team. Right now, KTM is making it easier than ever to get out and ride. Head to your local KTM Autorized dealer to take advantage of limited time offer on qualified dirt, street, adventure, and naked models, or check out KTM.com to learn more today. Hi, this is 250 Supercross Champion Chase Sexton of the Geico Honda team. To get the most performance out of your motocross bike, make sure you're using the Yoshimura exhaust systems. Visit Yosh at yoshimira-rd.com to see their wide line of slip-ons and complete systems for your bike today. Now enjoy the Swap Moto Live Kickstart podcast. Riders like Justin Cooper, Don Frandis, Eli Tomac, Adam Entingnap, Josh Hansen, and more partner with Works Chassis Lab for engine mounts and other special parts to add comfort to and enhance the handling characteristics of their bikes. With championships and race wins to prove it, Works Chassis Lab Parts provides the winning edge. Visit WorksChassisLab.com for more information. In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2U are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. So, okay, so getting to Monster Energy Cup, um, you decided, what, a week before? Or how, how, how late... How last minute did you make the decision to uh, come out and race? So it was like basically Sunday night, the week before Monster Cup, and I was eating some ice cream on the couch and <laughs> some Ben and Jerry's cookie dough, and or and just like I was sitting there talking with John Tomac and we were looking. I was looking at the entry list and just the track and stuff, and I was like, God, you know going both ways it's probably going to be pretty tame and this and that and and then um i sent a text message to my team manager josh and i was like hey can i what do you think if i did monster cup and he texted me back he's like dude are you drunk (laughs) (laughs) and i was like no man i'm sober i mean and uh yeah it ended up working out he called jeff my shack the next day and ziggy and they said hey if jmar thinks he's okay to go racing 
then yeah, we'll stand by him and support him. Nice. And they had they had two bikes ready to go, or did they have to just scramble and get them built? So they had to scramble basically. So I have my practice 450 in Colorado, which I've been riding, and then they built up a bike, um, and basically a day or two. I mean, it was just a stock engine with just a Yoshimura pipe on it. Mm-hmm. So you brought your practice bike out with you as well, then, because that is, is that what you ended up racing? Yeah. So I ended up riding the racing the practice bike just because I was more comfortable and. The frame was more broken in and just had more more time. Yeah. So you did you drive out or did someone drive your bike for you? Mm. No. So I had my practice bike mechanic, Kyle, who ended up actually wrenching for me because my mechanic, Derek, race bike mechanic, was he booked a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so I committed to Monster Cup literally like when he was – the day before he was taken off for vacation. So mm. – um, he wasn't super stoked, but I hope he I hope he had a good time, you know. <laughs> yeah, so instead of laying on a beach, he's probably watching a live broadcast, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I ended up just having him drive the practice bike out and with my truck and race that bad boy. Nice. That's good. How did it feel to uh, start Friday and go through the press day stuff and then put those first few laps in? Did it feel like it came back quick or did it take a little bit? You know, I, I was thinking about – I thought it was kind of slow. I should have pulled the trigger on some rhythm sections early, but coming from where I came from and, and being out for so long, I was like, man, just ease into it. Like, you know, you don't need to be a hero right now. And I stayed within my lane and my comfort zone and, and just kind of progressively got better, I thought, every time I went out. And then even got better with, I thought, every race I rode better. Mm-hmm. I noticed um, it was either Friday or during qualifying on Saturday, but the long rhythm lane when it was going the opposite direction you clanked it pretty good one time when you had stuff like that was it good to know like okay hey i can push myself a little bit and maybe make some mistakes and it's not going to be disastrous yeah absolutely i mean we're all going to make mistakes i mean you're riding a 450 and that thing's no joke compared to a 250 and um the biggest thing is being able to ride and race with good form so that way if something does happen you can kind of get away you know like get away and not not go down mm-hmm. were there many nerves for you yeah i mean i was definitely pretty nervous like but i i gotta say guys like it was it's the first time in a like really since i've been hurt that i felt like alive you know mm. like the, the opportunity to succeed was there you know to line up and to be put to the test like you know you forget like as racers sometimes when you're always racing every weekend and, and you're fighting for a championship, the pressure's pretty gnarly, right? But I I actually really grew to to miss that with mm. this injury. Yeah, I bet. So, I mean, competitive person needs to compete. Yeah, no no doubt. So, uh, uh, like, any nerves, like, scared? Like, were you hesitant to, to hang it out and, you know, risk crashing in an uh, injury? No, I mean, the only thing that I would say probably made me the most nervous was was uh, uh, jumping in a rhythm lane next to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, because that's how I got hurt. Yeah. You know, I got, I got hurt, you know, we collided in the air and it was pretty gnarly, right? So that took me a little bit to kind of get comfortable and that was a big reason of why I wanted to race. But surprisingly, when the gate dropped, I mean, 
I was in the zone and I was like, dude, you just got to ride your race. Like I can't control what other people are going to do. So, um, I was actually in a, I was really in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you and I on Friday afternoon, we, I asked you this a little bit and now that I've thought about it more, I kind of want to embellish on the question. When you ride with Eli and you have somebody that you can pace yourself off of, like obviously you got one of the best guys in the sport to learn from as you get back into the swing of things. But with that said, did you guys work on certain things of how to race each other so maybe you don't feel like you're on the track alone? Because it seemed like there for a while you were right into the race pace pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we, we like during the week we, we ride with each other, you know, and like we'll do motos together. But um, we haven't really rode together a whole lot because he was out in California testing when I was in, um, originally in Colorado riding. So I didn't ride with him a whole lot before Monster Cup. It was just kind of me going off of like just, you know, judgment of, of my previous form and everything. And it's just it just goes to show you that since the age of four, I rode a dirt bike, right? Mm-hmm. And then I I raced professionally for six years, and the reputation of day after day and year after year—it's pretty gnarly. Like how it's all still there, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, I've asked Eli this before, but you know he lives there. So, like when you first relocate there from Minnesota, does the altitude jack with you at all? Uh absolutely, absolutely. And then when yeah. you're there training and you're used to it and you come down, you know, to sea level and you're riding racing, does the air feel real thick and make everything easy? Uh, <laughs> I, I think so. I think it does make a difference, no doubt. Like when you're up there, your lungs burn more and, um, you know, it's um, there's something there's a reason why a lot of really top world class athletes live up in elevation and train up yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, every time I've asked Eli about that, he's, I don't know, <laughs> it's the same. I live there. but uh, Yeah, I mean, for sure, like, for him, he probably doesn't, you know, he's grown up his whole life there, so he doesn't know. He, I mean, I mean, he knows, but, like, it's just different, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what he knows. Um, how was the track? Like, uh, you know, it had to be built a certain way because it was go forward and back. Um, more so than the jumps, like, visually for me, the, the gnarly thing looked like that sand straightaway. Um, especially during practice when I got the big deep ruts in it. Um, what were your impressions of the racetrack this weekend? Yeah, I mean, the track was, uh, the dirt was actually, the moisture in the dirt as far as, like, traction for Vegas, I think that's probably the best I've ever rode it. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was, like, pretty good grip. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was a little bit, like, surprised. It was a lot more technical than I was expecting. I was like, I show up for press and I did press and I was like, damn, <laughs> like this is, this is some pretty rowdy um, stuff. Like they built up that one rhythm lane after kind of by the over under there. Mm-hmm. And then they built uh they had it raised and then they built the rhythm section. So that was pretty rowdy. Uh, so I, I thought it would be a little bit more tame, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the track was, it was good. I don't really, I didn't really like the forward backwards stuff just due to the fact that like, Let's just say you triple into a rhythm going the original way, right? Well, you you come back and then you'd land. Let's say you go three in and on that landing, you would take off and have to seat bounce three back the other way, right? Mm-hmm. So the face was completely different because we were landing on that face and accelerating, you know? Yeah. 
so that stuff got a little bit sketchy. Did you have any, uh, like, lap one uh, flubs, you know, like because you forgot something or, you know, like in race situation when you're, you know, you're riding wide open and, and just going going all out? I, I thought maybe we might see some uh, mishaps on the first lap due to, you know, a change in direction. No, surprisingly, like, I was pretty pretty dialed in, I guess, for the most part. Like, we pra- we did four practice sessions, right? So we yeah. did, you know, two basically each direction. Um, so I was pretty well prepared. But uh, <laughs> I guess what kind of caught me off guard the most was just, just all the difference. You're starting in a different spot every time, it yeah. felt like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How was the outside start uh, with the grass first turn? It was pretty dang trippy. I'm not going to lie. I was like, dude, it's going to be so slick. And um, it was better than I thought. But, man, the roost was so bad coming all the way from that grass all the way into the sand section. Ooh, yeah. Well, hey, J-Mart, we really appreciate you uh, sharing your day with us and calling into the show. Um, on behalf of Michael Antonovich and I, thank you for listening to the Kickstart Podcast. In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2U are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info.